Is a spike in inflation imminent and what does this mean for markets? With unprecedented levels of fiscal and monetary support globally, the U.S. Federal Reserve's determination to suppress interest rates for longer, and a possible post-COVID-19 consumer spending boom. Market participants have enough reason to believe that a spike in inflation is imminent. Previously, we spoke to Chief Investment Officer of PSG Wealth, Adrian Pask, about investment risks in the current environment. And he explained that rising inflation reduces your spending power and the real value of your investment. Today, we speak to Adrian again, this time about the impact of rising inflation on different sectors in the market. First of all, welcome, Adrian. Tell us what impact does rising inflation or rather rising interest rates have on financial markets? Hi, Kieran. And uh, first of all, yeah, thanks for, for having me. It's great to be on, on the show again. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the, the more important component here is actually the interest rate. So everybody's talking about inflation. You, you don't have to look far at the moment to read an article about inflation. But I think the, the real concern here is, is really the interest rate component. And, you know, if you look at the inflation research that's out at the moment, it's still rather indifferent. I think it's a little bit more tilted towards, yes, we could quite possibly see some inflation come forward than what it was maybe a few months ago where, you know, quite a few experts were still saying, you know, we, we think it's under control. So it feels like the momentum is heading in, into that direction. But in our view, regardless of what the inflation rate is, we will see interest rates move higher. Interest rates are on near zero and they will have to normalize. Even if inflation remains relatively muted, we, we know that, that monetary policymakers are always inclined to to have something in reserve in the event of a crisis. Because if something was to happen and they can't pull that lever, then then we've got very little at, at our availability to, to stimulate economies. So that fear is almost a non-event because in the sense that it will take place. Um, you don't waste your time worrying about whether interest rates are going to go up or not. They, they will go up. I think the only component that we're really debating at this point is to say, well, Will interest rates go up sooner than expected, or is it maybe a bit later? And and from a long-term investment perspective, that's a less valuable debate to, to maybe have. But again, where you're right is it does impact financial markets. So from from managing money and looking after clients' money in portfolios, it becomes an important dynamic to to understand quite well. So if we go back to basics in terms of your your original question, you know, what's the impact on financial markets? I think it's really important to understand the economic drivers here. You know, ultimately interest rates are there to alter the existing status or health of the economy. So when interest rates are are pushed up, normally it's because there's an inflation problem uh, that's that's already present. And that inflation problem is normally there because the economy is usually thriving. You know, it's it's almost after the fact and, and you're paying penalties for, for benefits that you that you harvested through an economy that was on the up. And obviously on the other side of it is if, if you see interest rates decrease, it's probably in response to a problem and, and, and that's really in a nutshell what we saw what we saw last year. And the way that interest rates impact not really just different sectors in terms of equity sectors and, and sectors of the economy, but also different asset classes can can vary greatly. So they don't all respond in the same way. And and I think that's why if you look at a lot of the communication that we've been putting forward over the last well, a very long time, it's, it's always around diversification and the increasingly important role that that's playing in portfolio management. And I think again, yeah, really very, very important. So if we look at asset classes, for example, we are quite negative on, on the international bond space. 
It's been a space that's been benefiting from from decreasing interest rates over the last four four decades or so, where interest rates have moved lower in a in a big way. But from year on in, we see a big reversal on on that front. But as I say, if interest rates go up, it's actually quite good for equities because it means there's growth around, and where there's growth, there's earnings. So from that perspective, it's really important to understand exactly where the impact will be in in the various sectors um, and areas of the economy. Maybe just break that down a little bit more. We do know that the markets react differently or different segments of the market react differently to interest rate changes. And you've mentioned the impact on bonds and you've mentioned the impact on equities. But just explain why that is and why these different asset classes will respond differently. Well, I think firstly, if you look at something like banks, for example, you know, typically they, they benefit from economic activity that's around. So they tend to do well when interest rates rise purely just because, as I said, typically the economy is in, in good shape. And that's why also we've seen um, a lot of pressure on, on financials uh, last year on a global front as well as um, in South Africa. Typically, when there's fears that the economy will suffer, financial stocks um, take a big plunge. Um, but obviously, on the short term, there's also a broader sentiment component here that, that in, impacts asset classes. So for equities, generally, it would be negative, but it has an impact on how quickly um, various sectors can can recover out of that. So, you know, it, it didn't take long for uh, for the market to realize that, you know, lower interest rates are actually very pro-growth for tech stocks, for example, for, for obvious reasons. And you can think back of, of travel and, and leisure, for example, in lockdown. So I guess you can also say, although you would look at historic data and see that the, uh, you can always use that and, and, and try and identify um, areas that would have consistently do well or, or not. But at the same time, no two crises are ever alike. And, and you've got to look at what's happening in the market. And that's why we're such big supporters of, of active management. If you look at what's happening in the environment at the moment, for example, you know, it, it seems like there's a lot of pent up growth. We think there's a big underpin for commodity and material stocks in the semiconductor space, for example, a very interesting things happening there. You know, given that there's obviously a very high demand for for those type of goods, good that's that use semiconductors, but at the same time, there's also been a bit of a supply side choke that's also stoking up up inflation, and and that creates opportunities. So, I think you know you can say that there's certain sectors that probably will do less well than others in an interest rate environment that's moving up. So. Uh, if we look at consumer staples, for example, that's an area that's the value that it brings to a portfolio, that it, it tends to be a little bit more stable and, and resilient in an environment where the economy is under pressure. Because even if you know businesses go bankrupt, you still need to, to, to brush your tre- teeth and, and, and clothe yourself every day. So those, um, those goods remain in demand. But leisure, for example, was something that surprised with, with this crisis because everybody expected it to be less in demand. Um, given that they are typically a little bit more sensitive. But uh, if you look at what actually happened is, you know, businesses like LVMH, um, those are doing quite well. And it's just because, um, you know, the, the the more wealthy areas of the market, high LSM groups actually cope, cope quite well. So, I mean, bringing that all together in a, in a, in a more coherent answer, I would, I would say it's, it's really important to understand the prevailing um, conditions and also understand the dynamics that's driving the specific crisis that you're dealing with to really gauge where the opportunities and, and risks lie. Adrian, what about capital-intensive businesses, those that have got high levels of debt on their balance sheet, and also real estate companies? How are they impacted by this expected increase in interest rates? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So for, for leveraged businesses that, that carry high levels of debt, obviously, if interest rates go up, the cost of funding goes goes up and, and that's negative for, for operating margins and, and creates a, a, a drag on earnings. So that's also something that, that we need to keep in mind. But these days with, with the crisis that we've seen, um, debt is more, more common that, than just specific sectors as well. So we do often find businesses that operate in sectors that aren't maybe as capital intensive, but you know businesses do run higher levels of debt. But capital intensive businesses is, is a good starting point. But we'll have to look at debt levels across the board, regardless of, of sectors, actually. Previous interest rate decreases were generally in response to economic and market shocks, but they did not have as quick an effect as the current cycle of interest rate decreases had. Now, the current phase appears to be at odds with previous cycles. Why is that? Well, I think for, for two reasons. I think typically when you look at, at bear markets, you get different kinds. and um, you, you get things that are more systemic in nature. So if you cast your mind back to the 2008 crash, that had more to do with systemic risk and and disguised risks at the time. It it would require regulation intervention on, on the one end, and also support. But you would remember there was sort of a bad you know aftertaste. You know banks act irresponsibly and then you have to bail them out. It's not that easy. You don't just want to create an environment where there's a moral hazard where you will always be bailed out no matter what you do. In this crisis, there weren't any of those components, and it's more in line with what we call an event-driven type of shock. And it was quite easy for the regulators and policymakers to, or regulators stay out of it, and policymakers to jump in and stimulate the economy. So there weren't any complicated things like we saw from, from 2008, but we did see complexity in scale. So obviously, you know, with 2008 was more of a, like I said, a systemic thing where the global economy feared that there would be contagion risk into other financial markets. And that creates doubt and changes sentiment, et cetera. But the pandemic was a truly global problem. And that's also why we saw policymakers step up in a really big way, whether it was in, in monetary policy or in fiscal policy. You know, it's the first time that you would have seen on a global scale all policymakers cut rates, stimulate as far as possible from a fiscal side in a very short amount of time. This is really a very unique crisis and recovery that we've seen. I think we'll reflect back on this for for many, many years to to come. All right. Thank you. We'll leave it at that. That was Chief Investment Officer of PSG Wealth, Adrian Pask, talking about the impact of rising interest rates on individual sectors in the market.